0: From analog. analog. Hi Jim, you've a uh, great signal up here, you five times plus. Yo, digital. We are everywhere you want to be. This is the CQ Blind Hams Podcast.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the CQ Blind Hams Tech Zoom meeting and podcast because this does become a podcast later on. This is brought to you by the folks that bring you the wonderful and informative podcast, CQ Blind Hams, which can be found uh, by looking for it on your favorite podcast uh, client, as well as your uh, favorite uh, smart speaker can be asked to play it. And, of course, CQ Blind com, the website that everybody should at this point have bookmarked because it has lots of useful stuff, including uh, information on on this podcast and these meetings when they are being held live. If you don't get the uh, notification via this the Blind Hams mailing list, you can always go to CQ Blind Hams and find the info there on the day of the meeting so that um, you can all participate. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, my other co-host here. Uh, go ahead, uh, Joel uh, W0CAS.
2: Thanks, Julian. Uh, N1CA. <laughs> I don't know if you said that. I don't. I don't remember. But yeah, we uh, we also have a YouTube channel. Uh, CQ Bonham's on YouTube. Back to you, Julian.
1: Yes, and uh, you're correct. I didn't say my uh, call sign yet. Uh, I was going to wait till the end, but what the heck? Since we're here, I am Julian. I am, my call sign is N1CA. November one, Charlie Alpha. I live in the Southern California Los Angeles area. And uh, next, we have uh, Robert, NC5R.
3: Good evening, everybody. It's a pleasure to be back on the Tech Zoom once again. And I'm particularly looking forward to this one because we're so fortunate to have a very special guest with us tonight who has uh, done some fabulous work on making radios accessible. And I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Julian. This is Robert, NC5R.
1: Oh, and you're welcome. And thanks for uh, joining us here. And he was going to be the next one, uh, Steve, uh, WME2KTV.
4: All right, uh, Steve in Manhattan, happy to be here. Uh, You can find me on the Blind Bridge usually early in the morning and toward the end of the day. Uh, But give a shout-out if you need something. Always happy
1: to help. All right, thank you, Steve. And... um, Just want to point this out in case anybody missed it, but I think we all know this is being recorded and will be made available later as a podcast under the CQ Blind Hand series. So if anybody uh, objects to having their voice recorded and appearing in a podcast, then I guess uh, the name of the game is to stay silent and listen. But we do hope that everybody who's here with us will say a little something at some point uh, and and, uh, participate, ask a question and uh, give us their great input. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the uh, guest of our show here, uh, Joseph Stephen, VK7JS. Uh, For those who have been living under a rock and don't know, (laughs) Joseph Stephen is the man who brings us the accessible GD77 firmware that runs on the series of radios, the GD77, GD77S, uh, Baofeng DM1801, and RD5R. Um, And of course, uh, the uh, the radios for the future, uh, we got some of those up there on the list as well. But you know what, I'll go ahead and just kick it on over to Joseph and he can uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with this project and uh, see where we are and where we're going. So Joseph, without further ado, go ahead and take it away.
5: Good evening. It's morning over here in North Tasmania. It's about... 10.08 a.m. here. Well, I'll just give a brief introduction of myself for for those of you who don't know me because I actually have a life outside of programming, although some people would wonder sometimes. But um, I'm Joseph Stephen. I've been married for 26 years. I have 10 children or nine living children. Um, We live on a farm in North Tasmania, 205 acres. And I am a software engineer who worked for Vispero or Freedom Scientific, EnterJoyce, whatever, um, going back to 1996 and I developed JAWS for Windows uh, with a a very good team um, with Glenn Gordon at the helm. Some of you may know Glenn and in fact I was on a podcast with him earlier today so you can look out for that one coming out soon too. But I took an interest in OpenGD77, as it was called, back early last year. Uh, In fact, I forked the project in around April. Um, In fact, I was doing it even earlier than that. October, the year before, I I really got involved, but I, I really struggled to get cooperation with the the main team. I wanted to make changes and they didn't want any contributors. And I guess they had the attitude, you know, we're making it accessible. You just get what you get and be thankful. And, and I really didn't like that attitude because I think as blind people, we know what we want. And, and I'm not being ungrateful to them. They, they, they really gave us a great foundation from which to springboard. Uh, but as blind people... We we don't want something half half accessible or half baked. We we really uh, want to make things efficient to use, optimal to use. And so I got involved early, and uh, once I couldn't get cooperation, I forked the project and changed the name to Accessible GD seventy seven. And well, the rest is history. Um, we've made lots and lots of changes. I try every time they do release their source code to merge in what they've done. I haven't done the satellite stuff yet because I really would need three to six months of full-time work to do it. And I don't have that energy to do that at the moment. So what I'll probably do is leave accessible GD77 as is Uh, when he releases the MD 9600 version of open GD77, then I will port some of the features that people want to that radio from Accessible GD77. I think that will be the plan. I only have so many hours in a day, and I think it's important to move forward, not only um, with Accessible GD77, but also with OpenRTX because of the uh, growing unavailability of some of the radios, at least new ones. There'll be plenty on the used market for some time to come, I suspect. So, that's why my focus has been turning to OpenRTX, partly because it opens up a lot of possibilities for radios that we don't have accessibility to, but also because the team are just so much easier to work with. I've already had three Skype conversations with the founder in the last week, and I'm making massive progress. Um, He told me last night that if I didn't get involved, they they wouldn't have accessibility probably for another year but now that i'm involved we'll probably have something up and running at least i'll have my done bit within the month and we we may have a talking radio within within you know less than 6 months anyway they've, they've got a bit of work to do on their end still but it's it's coming and it's in the very very foreseeable future it's it's not way out in the distant future And the radios that are likely to be supported with OpenRTX include the TYT-MD380, 390, UV380 and 390, the MD9600, the Alens HD1, and there will probably be others coming as well. The beauty of OpenRTX is that they've written it in a very modular fashion which means they've written everything in a generic fashion and then for each individual radio type they have like wrappers or or little um, uh, uh, interfacing modules which which specifically translate the commands to the chipsets of those radios so the beauty is i can write my part generically and it will work on whatever radio they decide Uh, we can port it to and that is just limited by who's got the time to reverse engineer new radios so i think i'll open it up to questions and um unless there's something else the hosts particularly want to ask me about first
2: well the biggest question i got one julian the biggest question that all of us have do you sleep (laughs) we know you've got such a large life i don't see how many hours how many hours do you sleep on that joe
5: i don't sleep a lot actually i probably has have less than five hours sleep and sometimes a lot less but uh, things do catch up with me at times i mean i i, I am human and i i i get t- depressed i get tired i get um sick of things um so you know i i have i am a person i'm not a robot and um I think one of the things that drives me, though, is is the desire for accessibility and to help, you know, my fellow blind people uh, to to get what they can out of life.
1: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, my question is very similar to Joel's in that. It's like, where do you find the the hours of the day? How have you managed to, to squeeze out that much productivity out of well, a 24-hour day?
5: It, it is important to talk about that because... Um, this is why I I don't want to seem rude with my emails, but I tend to write very short and curt emails, partly to save my wrists. I, I don't write essays when I write emails. I'm a very uh, man of few words because I have to be with email. I have a lot of typing to do. But I, I tend to use my time very thoroughly. I don't have zero... Uh, me I don't have me time I don't have doing um I don't have time where I'm doing nothing I I never sit on a on a bed and just read a book I I am always doing something so I'm either doing farm work you know fixing a fence or fixing pipes or I'm hanging washing or I'm doing dishes or I'm eating or I'm sleeping or I'm programming or I'm showering or I'm preparing a bible study for the you know for the the Sunday church or I am always Active. There is no downtime. That's how I fit it in.
1: Wow. Well, it's somehow, somewhere, you're going to have to find a way to bottle that and put it into a supplement so that we can all upload, uh, you know, accessible energy into our <laughs> workflows. Because <laughs> I think that'd be great. So, uh, okay, I, I know that uh, there's a lot of people here that have questions. So I'm wondering uh, if somebody's watching the raise hands thing. And wants to call the uh, first person there.
2: Is there any hands up to Angelo or
3: or uh, Robert? I'm not seeing any. If anybody has a question, please uh, raise your hand.
1: Okay. I heard somebody, I think, might have been Flip. Might have a raised hand. Flip. The- okay.
6: Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Joseph, in, in, in your CPS, I have one, one question. In the... Uh, uh, DTMF editing field, I'm going to guess it's probably the same under your digital contacts when you're putting them into your code plug. Is there a way of adding where if you highlight one of them and you hit control down arrow or up arrow, they will move uh, up by one or down by one to rearrange them?
5: I don't know, but Jan OK1TE okay, is uh, the blind guy in the Czech Republic who is doing most of the work on the CPS. I can pass that question along to him. I, I mean, I, I have done a couple of minor changes. Like the other day, Jessica. I don't know whether she's in the in the in the podcast, but she asked me. There's a button that's got greater greater than on it um, in the channel screen. What is that for? And I actually had to go and look in the source code, and it's actually it's a good place to, to publicise this. But the greater greater button in that screen copies the RX frequency to the TX frequency field, so you don't have to fill it in. Um, but there's no label on it, so that's another thing I've got to get him to fix. So your your question is, can you move DTMF contacts up and down in the CPS? And I will have to ask him that question.
6: Okay, very well. Yeah, that that that. You know in your digital and dtmf context that would be a wonderful thing to have that way you don't have to erase and re- redo all of it if you're trying to rearrange the order. so thank you
3: thank you Thanks. flip uh mark uh has mark on your iphone has a raised hand please unmute yourself and go ahead mark
2: okay that might be mark m-a-r-g for margaret um, um
3: uh, i'm sorry margaret it must be go ahead please
2: yeah um I have a, just a general question. What makes, say, your open RTX and your open software, whoops, your software that you can work on, what makes that available to you versus the, you know, the ICOMs and the Yaesos, um that you can't work on? Is the company just say, here's the software, we'll, Publish it so you can work on it to make it accessible. How how does that happen?
5: Thank you. That is a really really good question. No, if only that were true. So there have been a couple of uh, very 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 clever people, and I'll give it to to Roger's team. Uh, although he wasn't the one that started it, there was a guy called uh, Kai DG4KLU. I think his name is. Uh, it was, uh, his call sign uh, and there's another guy um travis goodspeed uh, there's there's been a few people who what they have done is they have literally reverse engineered the radio, so what they've done is they've looked at the binary. They've, they've used a special tool, they've downloaded, they've dumped the EPROM onto their computer and they've looked at it and they've figured out how it works. They've, they've decompiled the, the, the code to figure out how it works. Then they have written a custom version of the firmware and they make the source of that um, initially, at least some of them did open source, which means, it's publicly available to get hold of the source code and everything is now you get it as is, you know, no, no guarantees or anything, no, nothing at all, half, half uh, written, whatever they've done, you get to grab that source code and, and then refine it um, add features to it fix bugs in it. So we are at the at the mercy of those very, very clever people who are able to reverse engineer and figure out how these radios work. No, you you get no uh, cooperation with the companies. I have suggested that the companies release their firmware under open source because it would be a win-win situation. I mean, uh, amateur radio is for those who, who experiment, and, of course, if if they opened up their firmware to experimenters, they would sell more radio. So it would be a win-win situation. And of course, we could make sure that accessibility got added. So great question. Thanks.
4: I have uh, been in touch with the Editone people, as many of you here probably already know. And uh, of course, they're just a brick wall. So I turned to a friend of mine that I've known for oh, almost 50 years now, who is extremely high tech, He's got a double E from Syracuse University, and uh, him and a couple of friends of ours all told me exactly what Joe just said. In order to do this, you have to have a, like a room full of signal analyzers, spectrum analyzers. You've got to get several of these radios and literally break them, take them apart, and figure out what the components are, why they're there, what they do. And you have to reverse get into the head of the guy who designed this, and these guys that do this or my own humble opinion, are just miracle workers of of unreverse reverse programming
5: and, and this is why it takes so long in a radio 's lifetime before we get this i mean someone someone started doing it for the DGD, so the kenwood d seventy four i don 't know how far they got but obviously all of us have day jobs and all of us uh, don't have an unlimited time, but um, uh, you know, I I dumped the ROM recently in in the GD77 to figure out, for instance, if I could, uh, you know, extend the DTMF contacts, whether we could have more in in the database. And, you know, it turns out I figured out we could, Um, but um, I, I even wrote to a guy in Japan because I had a contact in Japan who, who, who talked to Kenwood directly and, you know, they all make promises, but uh, or, or they all at least offer, you know, yes, it sounds good. You know, we'd love to make our radios more accessible, but but they don't tend to do it because really there's no money in it for them.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, sort of a question, Joe. Now, the GD77 and all the radios that are accessible are DMR radios. Is it true that they use the, the vocoder from the DMR radios to make the voice prompts work? is that how it's done
5: yes it is so what we do is we we uh generate a, a a word list and we use an online mp3 service which will convert text to speech and then we encode that uh, the mp3s into uh 16 bit 8k uh, wave samples, and then we send them to the radio and get the vocoder on the radio to tra- to convert that to DMR. And then we package all of those little fragments up into the VPR file, the voice uh, prompt um, file. And then what we do is in, in the firmware, when we go to uh, display a word or if we want to speak a word, we will grab that sample and play it as if it was a DMR signal.
4: Amazing.
2: And that's why um, we don't have a lot of analog radios, only analog radios because we need the DMR part to make the voice prompts.
5: Correct. So in OpenRTX, we'll be using, uh, M, uh, let me get this right, Codec2, M17 is the protocol, we'll be using the Codec2 vocoder to do the voice prompts rather than uh, the DMR vocoder.
4: But the idea is the same. You take the WAV file and you play yes. it in and you get the ZM, uh, M17 data out. Correct. Joe, mm-hmm. wow. so while
3: you're talking about sort of the programming side of it, we had a person, uh, Russ, write in with a question. He was wanting to know basically what programming language you you use in the accessible GD 77 uh, code base. You want to know if it would be possible for him to... Uh, look at the source code. He's interested in possibly doing some development. He's a programmer. And he also wanted to know, finally, if, it, if he could email you if he had questions.
5: Oh, absolutely. I, I've been asking for volunteers for the last two, well, 18 months. Um and there have been people who uh, have volunteered to help me with documentation who it hasn't hasn 't happened, but yes, indeed it 's out there. If you search on github on um, github accessible gd seventy seven you 'll find it. Um, you can look at the source. it is in c majority there 's a little bit in Python and there 's a little bit in assembler, but the absolute majority of it is in c what 's
4: your favorite development environment?
5: Well, the thing is, uh, the development environment is 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 partially accessible. It's an absolutely very complex environment. I really don't like it, but I I get by. It's an Eclipse-based um, development environment released by the the maker of the CPU. The uh, it's called um, MCU Expresso, and it's devi- it's, des- it's designed to work on chips like the um, MK um 22 which is the cpu inside that particular radio cool interesting
1: so I, I have a couple of questions uh as we talk about expanding this project uh and and bringing on more and more radios uh, is there a thought of at some point changing the name of it from accessible gd77 to something a little more generic that could, you know, could just be said, Oh, this radio is compatible with accessible or whatever that name would be.
5: Um, we can call it what you like. If you come up with a good name, the, the, the problem is uh, what people get used to. I mean, obviously open is going to be called open And as long as they keep taking my changes, I'm not going to fork the project. Uh, if, if it gets to a point where they don't want to add any more accessibility and, uh, they don't want to have any new features. Well, then I'll have to fork it, and at that point, you know, we'll call it whatever people want to call it. Just oh, okay. for the
4: people, just for the people who are listening to this podcast and have heard this word "fork," uh, let me briefly explain what that means. It means you, as a developer, maybe you got things that you want to add to a project, and you don't like <clears throat> either the you don't like the way the other guy is doing it or you've got a better idea so you can go on to a source like github download all the other guys work make additions to it and then you have two choices you can either merge your additions and changes into his work uh which is uh, almost like a, a commit i guess you'd call it or you could uh, take it take it home and put another name on it and now it's your project and that's a fork
5: and this is because it's open source you can't do this obviously without breaking copyright and all, all the rest if it's not open source but the, it it really depends on the licensing and part of the problem with with the uh, open gd77 was partway through the project it, they changed the license and they they took it off github and really that's actually illegal to do because if it's already been released under the open gpl you you can't then go and close it without rewriting it completely because it's already been released, but that's another argument and another conversation for another day.
1: Right. So, um, the other question I had, which by the way, uh, I just recently got a sighted friend of mine, uh, interested in, in this stuff. Uh, he bought a couple of Rd5Rs and he's put your software in them and he's really enjoying it. So, um, one of the questions he had is, uh, Is there any possibility of setting a toggle for the monitoring of the input or the reverse? Because right now that's done by pressing SK1, SK2. And then, of course, once you let it go, it goes back to uh, the normal uh, output monitoring. Uh, Would it be possible to add a toggle for that for people who like to monitor the reverse of a repeater without necessarily having to hold those two buttons, which can be a little awkward on some radios and a little tiring?
5: That's a great suggestion. Let me just write it down on my suggestions list here.
1: And then while, while you're doing that, um, I'm curious too uh, do you hear much from sighted users of, of your software, or is it mostly those of us that are blind or physically disabled? Uh, and I say physically disabled because of the wonderful work you've done with the GD77S, and I'm sure that's opened up a whole world for a lot of other people who couldn't uh, have access to all this stuff on a radio. So I'm just curious, do you hear a lot from sighted people or is it mostly uh, the uh, the people with various disabilities, those communities?
5: I have tried not to step on Roger's toes. So I don't actively promote our firmware. Um, it's only promoted through the, the blindness disability channels. I'm certainly happy for sighted people to use it and I do know a few sighted people that do use it but I've I've tended not to to try and steal what he's doing. Oh okay. Yeah,
1: like I said he he's enjoying it and uh, I I recommend it a lot to people of all types sighted or blind. So are, are there any other uh hands raised with questions?
3: No, but if there are other people who would like to ask a question we're not that uh, it's not that crowded tonight uh if you have a question uh go ahead and unmute and let us know you have a question if you like and we can take it
5: feature requests bug reports suggestions oh, complaints.
4: All right. no, no, oh, okay take the raised hand first and then i got one after that
3: uh jessica go ahead and unmute yourself and go ahead if you would please
7: hi i have two questions go ahead go ahead okay um can anyone create their own voice prompts using their own voice
5: yes you can um but only for new words that the radio doesn't already speak so the radio has built into it voice prompts for about 305 or sorry 300 well 320 i think words as it is but If you want to give a human um, voice prompt to a, a particular channel name or a contact name, you absolutely can do that. And it's called custom voice prompts. If you go to the docs folder of the archive and you look in the accessible guide for your particular radio and search for custom voice prompts, it'll tell you how to do it. You can even edit them on the radio. You can trim the start and end. Uh, you can associate a voice prompt with a piece of text in the in the UI, whether it's a contact name or a channel name or just one word. Um, the other thing you can do, which people may not know, is when you are talking to people on DMR, you can grab a voice sample and associate it with the contact. So when you go through your contacts and you can't remember what someone sounds like, you can arrow through the contacts and hear the person as you arrow through and hear their call sign.
2: We also, you also recorded a podcast for us demo on how to create your own voice prompts. right. It's on the on right. Bonham podcast.
5: Yes.
8: I will uh, warn
3: you though, Jessica, if you're like me, it can get pretty addicting. And before you know it, you'll be staying up all night recording voice prompts.
5: And the good thing is just to let you know, if you want to back up those voice prompts, you can do that. What you do is you go into the CPS and in the extras um, menu, there's a, you know under the open gd77 extras uh, dialogue there's a backup flash and if you backup flash you hit that button and connect your radio hit that button it'll it'll read the flash and get and allow you to save it to disk and so you can load it to another radio now the only little gotcha there is that if you uh, all radios with a 1 meg flash will work. But if you back it up from, say, the DM-1801, which has the 2-meg flash, you can't put that on a GD-77. But the GD-77, 77S, RD-5R all have 1-meg flash. Then the DM-1801 has 2-meg flash. But um, certainly, you can back it up if it's a 1-meg flash radio or, or a 2-meg flash, flash radio. You just can't mix them.
3: Go with your second question, Jessica.
7: What are your plans? Sorry, what are your future plans for the CPS software?
5: Um, I've really let Jan OK, 1TE, the blind guy in the Czech Republic, sort of handle the CPS because I didn't. I'm not a real strong C-sharp programmer. Uh, it takes me longer to do. I, I I like to concentrate on on what I'm really strong at. Um, but I certainly can fix small bugs and things like that in the CPS. And I've, I've done a little bit of work in there, but I've, I've mainly left it to him to do. And um, he would certainly be, you know, willing to come on a podcast, I suspect. Um, I don't even know whether he, I think he gets the blind hams emails. It's just that he's fairly busy like me, except he 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 has other hobbies rather than programming. So he's out camping and doing other things, but he's doing the cps and i know he wants to make it more accessible but he's obviously has a lot less time to to ded- dedicate to it
3: anything else jessica
7: um i just wanted to say that myself and my friend eric call sign n8 l u g are huge fans of the software and your testimony and this fall I will be taking an intro to programming class in college so depending on what they teach me I may be able to assist with the project and I would love that
5: well all programmers uh, would be gratefully help uh, be, be accepted and uh welcomed um there are other ways people can help as i said there's documentation we, we need to convert all the txt files to something more consumable um, there's tutorials there's uh lots of things that people can do to help in other ways too i mean the programming i'll be i'll be very blunt with you um you 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 won't you probably won't be able to do much as a as a newbie because it is, it is uh, very, very complex, but I wouldn't want to discourage anyone from having a look.
1: Yep, I mean everybody's got to learn somewhere, and I think I they think do. it's awesome that she wants to uh, eventually Absolutely. Uh, get in and help. So um, let's see. I I know Steve wanted to ask something, and then I think Flip has his hand raised as well. So go ahead, Steve.
4: Okay, I have a, a writing question from W W. Six W. H. Six. She's gonna kill me for that. WH six E Y F, I think it is. I can never remember whether it's EYF or EYV. She's gonna kill me for that too. And she wants to know how how to customize one of the FRS channels from the AutoZone so she can add PL to it. And oh then I great have another, question. And then I have another question after that about the CPS as well.
5: Okay, so the the, the first question, the easiest way to do that is to is to go to the AutoZone, go to that channel, copy that channel to VFO, and then copy the VFO to a new channel. I know it's a roundabout way of doing it. I've always wanted to add a feature to copy a, an AutoZone channel to a real channel, and I'm, eventually I might add it. Uh, but then once it's a a real bona fide channel in your zone you can put your pl tone on it and save it it's just that in the auto zone because it's not a channel it doesn't take up any memory and therefore you you if you make the, the change in the channel detail screen it won't be permanent it'll 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 hold while you're on that channel and then as soon as you arrow away and back it'll it'll get cleared and and it won't save it so if you make the AutoZone channel a real channel by copy to VFO. You know, the orange button at the top of your radio has got a quick menu. Some people don't even know that exists, but your orange button has got a quick menu. You can copy channel to VFO, and then you go to the VFO um, and then you use the orange button again and copy to new channel, copy VFO to new channel. Um, Then you can go into channel details, uh, change its name and put it on your PL tone and then your SK2 plus green to save it permanently because just green by itself is a temporary save. I, I've wanted to change that too, but that's how it is in the official firmware. Um, then that auto zone channel becomes a real channel and you can uh, in, in your zone and, and it'll be treated like a normal channel.
3: Joe, just to make sure that we're completely answering Kayla's question because we got a little different version of it today. Uh, from somewhere in the email she was also wanting to know how do you check a pl tone uh, on the family services uh radio family radio service if it's in an auto zone is there a way to to determine what what the pl is
5: again you would have to copy it to vfo and then do a tone scan so on the orange button you can do a tone scan in vfo mode and when you receive that A signal from that channel it'll tell you what the tone is and then you can um, save it
3: okay great i think we covered it thoroughly now you had another question steve
4: yeah i had a question from don he pointed out something that i never knew but apparently this has been the way it's always been and uh, we both sort of scratched our heads over it and uh, can't figure out what's going on and that is there is a field in the cps for each channel For default contact, this is on the DMR side. Uh, What does it do? Because if you're on a DMR channel and you change to another one and you go back to that channel, the default contact doesn't. the The contact that shows up doesn't go back to the default. So, what's its purpose? Or maybe we're not using it right.
5: Yeah, I think I want to repurpose this. Roger, one of the last things he did before um forking was he put a a DMR um ID override field in the channel, which is not the D not your talk group, but the DMR ID that will be transmitted when you're using that channel. So say you want a test channel and you want to transmit as somebody else, or say you've got two people using a radio, you've got VK7JS and you've got you know um, W0CAS, and you, you've both got different DMR IDs. And what you can do is you can set up two different channels, one for, for Joel and one for me. And when you go to the, his channel and you transmit, you'll be transmitting as him, And if you go to my channel, you'll be transmitting as me. So it's not the talk group or the not calling someone. It's the ID that the radio sends when you're using that channel. Now, to me, that seems like, well, maybe you'd use it occasionally, but I think more often than not, you'd use the other way where you could set a channel to a default talk group. And then when you go to that channel, it would use that talk group. Uh, That makes more sense to me, but that's not how it is.
4: Yeah, that's what, we thought it was supposed to be so okay it's uh under development
5: well at the moment it's set up so that you can um transmit using a different talk group but again remember this is the, a little trap when you when you change anything in channel details to make it permanent you have to do sk2 plus green because green alone will exit the channel details and it won't save it it's only temporary right
4: all right. All right, we will uh, work with it and see what we come up with. Thank you,
3: Flip. You've had your virtual hand up for so long; your virtual arm is probably tired. Please unmute yourself and go ahead, if you will.
6: Uh, yeah, my, my arm is about ready to fall off. I've got it in a sling now. But um, Joseph, you you? you I, I believe I caught cop- or heard you correct it. There are several hundred uh, words set into the GD seventy-seven series. Is that correct? And if so, where can we get a list of all the words you've got programmed in?
5: Well, I I need to clarify that they're not all um, words. For instance, you've got all the letters of the alphabet. There's twenty six. You've got the alpha, the the uh, phonetic spelling of the words, pronunciation of the words. There's another twenty six. So there's already fifty two. Then there's the numbers, and then there's all the symbols. So uh, 52, 62, 80, so nearly, maybe 90 of those words are um, just, you know, uh, letters and symbols and numbers. Then you've got all the menu items and all the values for those menu items. So um, in terms of actual words that are useful to use, like micro hub, there's probably only about 10 or so.
6: Okay, that works for me. Thank you very much.
3: Anybody else have
5: a question? Uh, it looks uh, like
8: John, John W2KCY. Yeah. All right, there we go. The virtues of a braille display as opposed to swiping. Uh, good evening. Uh, very interesting. I'm going to take you back a little bit, though, it's sort of to your to your beginning, um, or at least a, a beginner's question. I have currently a GV, GD77S, which I've had for about a year. So it does not have any of your upgrades. If I get the software, I have the link that was just broadcast to the to the Blindhams list, thanks to you, to go get it. Is there anything I need to do um, in preparation for that? Or can I just reload your software over the original?
5: You can reload the software over the original but you will have to also update your voice prompts. And the reason why I say that is some people think you have to update your voice prompts every time you update your firmware. You don't. But in this case, when you go from a major release to a major release, you generally do because I've added words that, don't, that weren't in the, in the old version. So in this case, if it's over a year, you'll definitely have to update both the firmware and the voice prompts.
8: Okay. I figured there was some update uh, uh, somewhere
5: that were, was required. Thank you.
2: also also reinstall the cps also right joe
5: oh yeah thank you for reminding me so because we now have a pause feature in the dtmf contacts and also the dtmf contacts can support up to 32 uh, sorry up to 60 uh, contacts instead of 32 um, you should uh, install the accessible gd77 cps firmware uh, sorry software on your computer and you can you can install that side by side with the version that's distributed by Ian and they won't clobber each other, but you must use accessible GD77 CPS to talk to accessible GD77 firmware, and you must use his version to talk to this version of the firm, of the firmware.
7: Okay,
8: thank you.
3: All right. The- Go ahead, Julie.
1: I was going to say, I had a quick question. Uh, Earlier, when you were talking about backing up uh, your recorded voice prompts, I'm also wondering, is there a way or could there be a way to back up the settings? Sometimes when you do a major update, it resets all the settings of the radio, which means your mic gain, your brightness, all the stuff that then you got to go in there and redo. Uh, Is there a way to back that up in your uh, code plug or in some other way?
5: I think if you back up the flash, it will back up your settings. I would have to double check that because I have to see where it's stored in memory, whether it's stored in, the the thing is, there are two places where stuff is stored. One is in the EEPROM and one is in the flash. And the silly thing about it is that for instance, the first 128 channels are stored in the EEPROM and all the rest are stored in the flash. And that's how the original firmware was. Uh, so you can see how, uh, why we have such a, uh, a mess on our hands when we have to reverse engineer stuff. So, um, I'm pretty sure the settings are stored in flash, but I'm not 100% sure. You better not quote me on it. But you could try backing up the flash and seeing if it backs up your settings. The only problem with that is, of course, if is if you do a major upgrade and there are new settings added, then if you if you restore from the backup, those those new settings may have weird values.
1: Uh, okay. So more than likely, it makes more sense just to go and do the work and <laughs> redo the settings. I pretty much got them all memorized.
5: Yeah, I mean, the the newer version of the CPS does allow you to back up settings, unfortunately, I mean, Roger's version, uh, but unfortunately, his, his settings are different to ours. So that's not going to help mm-hmm. you.
3: All right, we did have one more question that was uh, mailed in and uh, Mike asked, is there any possibility of ever working on making HF radios accessible?
5: I would love to. There is talk of the Xiego G90 having its firmware open sourced, or at least a, 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 an experimental version of it. The problem with an HF rig, as you've probably guessed, is if there is no way of dealing with either a recorded voice sample or a digital voice sample, you can't have voice prompts on it. Now, some of them have a a digital recorder, and you know, like the the Kenwoods, and and you know, potentially, what you could possibly do is is um, you know do some little tricks there and 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 copy stuff from from memory to to the voice recorder or something and play it but it's it's very hard to say I mean it would really depend on the hardware of of the HF rig and 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 at this point we don't have any on the horizon unfortunately except for that G90 and I really don't know whether that's possible for that one of course what you could do is um is you could make it with a and um you know compatible with a serial synthesizer or something
3: right which is sort of the approach the uh, ham pod uh, has yeah. taken with with hardware and serial interface all right so wanting to be very uh, mindful of of your your valuable time joe i just want to ask one more time it, does anyone have any questions for joe that you haven't had a chance to ask if you do please unmute yourself and go ahead with your question sounds like you've answered them all
5: okay Uh, again i would like to reiterate if there are people who want to volunteer to do things like cleaning up documentation um, email me and the other thing that's helpful is um, you know a couple of people have donated radios to actually work on which is really, 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 really helpful because I don't want to have to go out and, um, and buy one every time I want to make firmware accessible. There are models that we don't have, like the HD one that we need to work on. If people want to uh, have one lying around or can get one and want to donate those, that's, that's how you can practically help. And of course, the other one is um, keep your eyes out for you know I, i'm i am i do not have time scouring the web for uh things like you know i mentioned the, uh, the g90 um if you see projects that are being talked about on various lists um tell me about them because i don't i don't go searching i i, I even with OpenRTX they have a forum for discussing things i'm not on there he won't find me on there. I don't have time. So I've agreed with the developers that I will just work on what I need to work on. And if they want to pass on my comments to the forum, they can do that. But um, I I don't have time. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on these forums. So keep your eyes out if you think there's something of interest and let me know. Oh, yes, go ahead.
3: Go ahead and unmute, Jessica, if you if you had a question.
7: Okay. Um I'm getting inconsistent battery readings on my RD-5R. When I do the command that I'm supposed to, it doesn't always say it. I've only ever gotten it to do it once.
5: The RD-5R command is a long hold. So it's not a quick press like the GD-77. That may confuse you. So on the GD-77 and, and the dm 8001 um you uh what is it sk2 plus orange um and yeah. it's a quick press did i get that right i can't even remember yes yeah. yeah. I, I just do it i just do it automatically but with the rd5r it's a long press which is probably why you you think that it's not always doing it
3: so hold sk2 and while you're holding it hold down the vfo key the top button by itself on the front and keep holding them down until you hear the battery status that's at least that's how i do it
5: yes that's how i do it as well
1: yeah that's what i do as well
3: so if you keep it, both keys held down you will hear the battery status within it.
5: and the reason the reason why um it's like that is because if you probably figured it out there are multiple feature functions on these keys now i don't know where uh, i'm sure there there is and i'd have to go look in the documentation or the firmware because i I don't remember everything but sk2 plus mr by itself what does it do what does the short press of it do i'd have to go check but if there was nothing on that i could always change it to make it the same but i suspect there's a function on there already
7: my other question was can the rd5r and other radios in the gd77 speak while charging if so how
5: now i've had a lot of requests for this um
7: I say that because I have some vision, but I can't see when it's lighting up and it doesn't make a noise if it can't speak, it should at least make some sort of sound
5: well if you, you leave it, it on in. on the, yeah, I mean if you leave it on on the charger, I could make it when it reaches a certain voltage um speaker message. I haven't done that. it is on the request list, and it's something I could possibly do um I don't know how useful it would be to to have multiple you know, um, announcements as it gets to 25 and 50 and 75, like someone suggested, but at least when it gets to hundred, it would be nice or, or to be able to query it while it's charging. The, the problem is I can't tell, at least I haven't found a way of being able to tell whether it's charging. Um, I mean, I can look at the voltage and see if it's going up and I guess I know it's charging and rather than going down, but even that it can be very variable with a battery. I mean, there's all sorts of um, stuff in there, which tries to get a battery average over a period of time. So it's, it's not straightforward, but if I can figure out how to do it, um, I will add that eventually.
7: Yeah. FYI, I was the one who requested that.
5: Yes. Yeah. Oh, not, no, but you're not the only one.
1: Yeah. I but, could imagine that would be a popular request.
7: Yeah. Ooh. Cause I can't, I have a little bit of vision, but I can't see well enough to tell what color the light is. So some sort of noise when it's plugged in and unplugged. Yeah, so some sort of noise when you plug it in and unplug it and periodic announcements at 25, 50, 75, Well, see,
5: I think it would have to be a toggle because I I absolutely hate my phone. When I put it on the charger, it makes all sorts of noise. When I go in late at night, and my wife's already asleep, and I put my phone on the charger, it inevitably makes all sorts of babble. And the same when I pick it off the charger, I don't need to know whether it's starting or stopping. But I mean, I can see that people some people would like to, see, to hear that. So if I do add it, it will be a toggle anyway.
7: Yeah, make it a toggle. That's good.
1: Yeah, when all when all else fails, a toggle is always good because that pleases everybody. And, and speaking of toggles, one interesting thing, and I don't know if this is intended to be or if it's a bug, nevertheless, it's a useful one. I've noticed on my RD5R, if I do the shortcut keys, uh SK2 plus the 5, it turns the flashlight on the top of the radio, and that toggle oh, no, it on or off.
5: Yeah, that's, that's by design. It's actually in the original firmware, and Roger kept it. Kept it like that, so I haven't changed it. Oh, cool! It's probably, yeah, could, it's probably it, annoying for blind people though, because um, you could leave the light on and you wouldn't know.
1: Yeah, that's true. But uh, I, I, I think it comes in handy, and and uh, my sighted friend who I got into these radials loves that feature too.
5: <laughs> now, I do have a, I do have one other thing that um, someone asked about a while back, and that is the broadcast FM band on the ID5R. I was in contact with the developer who's working on that. And he's almost got it working. He's just figuring out how to enable the antenna uh, because at the moment he's, while the receiver's on, it's not receiving anything. So that was the last status report I got from that. Uh, he's the one who originally did the reverse engineering to get the RD5R working. So um, that is in process. I haven't done any work on my side, and I'm going to have to do a bit of work on my side once he gets it working so that you can actually type in, you know, a, a frequency in that band and, um, you know, save the channels and things like that. But uh, I want to see if he gets it working before I dedicate any time to it.
2: Didn't you get some approval from Radiodity to be able to uh, send out the original firmware? Oh, yeah.
5: Yes 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 and I even sent it to Roger I, I even though Roger even though that team is very unfriendly with me I, I always share uh, any news with that I find with them um you know I I don't want to play their game but um I asked radiodity whether I could distribute the um 4.3.6 SGL file and they said yes so <laughs> they know what we're doing but they realize that we're helping them make sales so they're not they're not worried
1: so along those lines i'm just kind of wondering uh at this point if they uh, don't have a problem with you distributing the file why not just allow it to go back to the way it used to be where it's just all one file and you don't have to go through the step and and the main reason i care about this is because i've noticed ever since they separated the uh, SGL file from the BIN file, that it takes a lot longer to write to the radio.
5: That's where the lines would become blurred. I think they wouldn't approve of that because that is techni- That is technically um, stealing their codec and putting it in ours. Whereas the way we're doing it now, we're not doing that. We're we're actually there's a fine line and I, you know, you you could argue either way, but I think technically right now, we're not breaking any laws. Whereas if we, if we pulled the firmware, the the codec into our firmware, then we would be crossing that line.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good that they allow you to distribute it. That certainly makes it a lot easier when you're sharing this with, when you're sharing this. I'm sorry, Jerry. I'll just finish. yeah, you know, it makes it easier when you're sharing this with, with new users, people who are well, new to this whole thing, to not have to make them go and look for something.
5: And I've else. updated the steps in the in the how to update the firmware document now. And it's a lot simpler now that you don't have to go and, and download their other thing and find it in the zip and copy it. It's already there. That that already took about four, five, four or five steps out of the um, instruction. So for a newbie, that will make a big difference. Awesome. Okay, yeah. go yeah. ahead, Joel.
2: Yeah, we had a copy of it also on blindhams.com so now I can go ahead and pull that down since it's going to be distributed in Joe's firmware. So if anybody goes looking for it, that's why it's not there.
5: I believe the latest beater I just put up there a couple of days ago has got it in there.
3: Yes. Uh, Flip, I'm not sure if you have another question. Um, I wasn't clear. I forgot to lower your hand or if you had another question. I had
6: another question, Robert.
3: Yeah, Please go ahead.
6: And I emailed this one to Joseph once and he said it was going to be in the list. And Jessica might want to listen on the GD 77 S for your battery status. It is a long hold orange up on top of your radio. And that one will give you your battery status, but it also gives you, I guess that is the radio temperature in Celsius. How hard is that to actually implement to where it's a toggle to go Fahrenheit.
5: The only reason I haven't done it yet on the GD77 is because in the radio info screen there is actually a visual temperature gauge, like a thermometer. And if I change it to report in Fahrenheit with the voice, it's going to be inconsistent with what's displayed. And so that's my only concern. But in terms of the 77S, um, I can certainly put a toggle in and make it report in Fahrenheit. I think Roger originally wanted to do it in either because I saw um, in one of the very early versions, they had the word Fahrenheit in the, um, in the voice prompt, but it got removed at some point. So I think he, he decided not to go ahead with it. So it's, it's on the list again, but haven't gotten to it.
6: Oh yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering how hard that's going to actually be if, if it's even you know, you had said. I think at one time it was added to the list. I just wasn't sure. So, thank you. You have uh, time Dave for... March.
3: Uh, please go ahead and unmute uh, and ask a question. How do you raise
0: your hand?
5: There's a button in the UI of this of Zoom where you can raise your hand.
0: Press
3: Alt Y on a PC. Uh, go ahead dave
4: yeah if you're on the phone it's a little bit more complicated it's in the more menu which is in the lower right hand corner of your screen oh
0: this is Hap holly could i ask a question Go, go ahead Hap. okay i'm sorry i don't know how don't know how to raise my hand i'm using a pc by the way joe you mentioned about um the fact that you could use more radios to actually do your your experimentation on I it. guess it's a term. I have an RD5R I just bought about two weeks ago and uh Chris Miller helped me uh you know do some programming with it but it's by no means done. Would it be of help if I were to box that up and send it to you for you to to work with or whatever it is you're working I do have
5: I do have an RD5R, um, so the only reason I would take that is if it was really unused, you weren't using it, and I'd keep it as a spare for people who, who may want one in the future. But um, the ones I'm really looking for right now is the Alens HD1, which I don't have, which I'll need if I need to test this. And the I'm getting a UV380 from a kc5 alh but i think i i will also need it like a 390 because it's a different slightly different hardware so that's th- those two are the only ones right now that i'm looking out for
0: <clears throat> thank you for your efforts appreciate it very much
1: and on behalf of uh the team here at uh, cq blind hams i think uh, one thing we love to do here is uh, give away stuff especially to uh, new hams or people who need it so Hap, I would say uh, talk to Joel about that because I'm sure he can certainly uh, help you f- uh, find that radio at home if that's what you'd like to do with it. I Before,
8: don't. Know,
0: I don't know if I want to entirely get rid of the thing. I'm just. I'm just a little discouraged. It's uh, a. <laughs> it's a big bite to to a big, a big piece of the pie to to bite off. So I'm. Uh, this, I'll
1: I'll get over it. All righty. Well, just putting that out there.
3: <laughs> I'd encourage you to be kind to yourself, Hap, and be patient with yourself and give it a chance because it's the most oh, absolutely best radio
0: out there. <laughs>
5: you will. I mean, uh, we're however you're
0: ready one. for TMI, Hap, yeah, we can keep going. Oh. <laughs> Thank you.
5: I mean, you don't have to use a DMR on it. You can. You still use All Star, and um, at least it will talk to you and everything. Anyway, um, I'm actually coming very close to my limit of time today. So I think David had a question, but if not, is is there anyone else who's got a final question?
2: Go ahead, go ahead, Dave, unmute and talk to us. Not sure if he's on a phone or if he's on a computer. Command A if you're on no, sorry. Alt A if you're on a PC. Shift command A if you're on a Mac, lower left hand corner on the phone.
3: Think you're unmuted, Dave. Go ahead and speak to us.
2: Yeah Gels is unmuted. Dave, you can talk. I think all you can do is ask him to unmute.
3: All right, so I'm not sure what's going on, but I, 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 uh, not sure we're going to be able to get
4: you, Dave. Okay,
5: you lower your hand. I know how frustrating that it is to use Zoom, especially when you're a newbie. So we'll be patient.
4: While the uh, while Dave is working on it, uh, Joe, you probably know this is uh, Steve WB2KTV. I was the one that uh, spearheaded the effort to get you the 9600 and for the rest of the people on the call and the uh, uh, podcast, if y'all want to start another one, another one of those programs for the HD1 or uh, if Joe could make a list of what he needs, I bet we can send him anything he wants.
5: Well, it's certainly very much appreciated um, because there's obviously enough of a cost in time, I, I don't know. I want to have to go buy the radios as well. So, sure. as I said, the Aliens HD1 particularly is the one that has a lot of potential that we don't have. And the um, MD390 or UV390.
2: Is the HD1 a dual band or is it just the UHF only? I know Enoch uh, KS3X has
5: one. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's dual-band. I'm pretty sure it's got the same hardware as the GD77 or very similar.
4: You can have my MD380 if you want it.
2: <laughs> I
5: think
4: I Dave's
2: think... In, yeah, it's running an Echo or something. We might, can you move him, Angelo? We got an Echo going now. There you go.
5: Well, if if anyone's listening who isn't brave enough to speak up on the podcast, make sure you ask your question on the list, and I will get to it in due course.
2: We got a 9600 question, Joe. Uh, has there been any movement of Roger putting the source code out? Uh, are you just wait? Are you just going to wait and use the RTX Open RTX with a 9600?
5: Well, I'm definitely going to be supporting with OpenRTX and yes, I believe he will, re- he will release it eventually, but it may be another f- several months at least.
2: Whichever one you can make accessible, that's the one we'll go with. If it's OpenRTX or Open 9600, if if you ever get the source and make it accessible 9600, uh, just we're going to, we're going to enjoy it, whichever way you go.
5: Well, thank you for having me today. And, um, as I said, if there's any more questions, don't don't hesitate to ask off um off the podcast or off, or on the list or off list.
2: Uh well, thank you, Joe, for joining us. It's been uh it's been one of our favorite uh tech zooms to have you with us. And uh we've got some great questions answered tonight, and I hope it helps a lot of people. And uh as we as we always end these things, guys, seventy-three.
7: Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and visit www.blindhams.com.